The Anatomy of Story. Chapter 5, Variants of Moral Argument. The basic strategy of moral argument has a number of variants, depending on the story form, the particular story, and the individual writer. You may find that more than one kind of moral argument is useful for your story, though, as we shall see, combining forms is risky. Good versus bad. In this lowest variation of moral argument, the hero remains good and the opponent bad throughout. This approach is especially common in myth stories, action stories, and melodramas, which are simple moral tales with easily recognizable characters. The sequence goes like this. The hero has psychological weaknesses, but is essentially good. His opponent is morally flawed and may even be evil, that is, inherently immoral. In the competition for the goal, the hero makes mistakes but does not act immorally. The opponent, on the other hand, ex executes a number of immoral actions. The hero wins the goal simply because he is good. In effect, the two sides of the moral ledger are added up and the good hero wins the game of life. Examples of good versus bad moral argument are The Matrix, City Slickers, Field of Dreams, Crocodile Dundee, Dances with Wolves, The Blues Brothers, Star Wars, Forrest Gump, My Darling Clementine, Places in the Heart, The Terminator, The Fugitive, Last of the Mohegans, Shane, and The Wizard of Oz. Number two, tragedy. Tragedy takes the basic strategy of moral argument and twists it at the end points. You give the hero a fatal character flaw at the beginning and a self-revelation that comes too late near the end. The sequence works like this. The community is in trouble. The hero has great potential but also a great flaw. The hero enters into deep conflict with a powerful or capable opponent. The hero is obsessed with winning and will perform a number of questionable or immoral acts to do so. The conflict and competition highlight the hero's flaw and shows him getting worse. The hero gains a self-revelation, <coughs> excuse me, but it comes too late to avoid destruction. The key to this strategy is heightening the sense of the hero's might have been and lost potential while also showing that the hero's actions are his responsibility. The sense of might have been is the single most important element for getting audience sympathy, while the fatal character flaw makes the hero responsible <coughs> and keeps him from being a victim. The audience feels sadness at the lost potential, made more acute by the heroes having gained his great insight mere minutes after it could have, could have saved him. But even though he has died or fallen, the audience is left with a deep sense of inspiration from the hero's moral as well as emotional success. Notice also that this strategy represents a crucial shift from classic Greek drama. The fall of the hero is not the inevitable result of large impersonal forces, but rather the consequence of the hero's own choices. Classic tragedies include Hamlet, King Lear, Othello, The Seven Samurai, The Bridge on the River Kwai, Nixon, The Thomas Crown Affair, parenthetical, the original, The Age of Innocence, Withering Heights, Vertigo, Amadeus, Amadeus, Le Morte d'Arthur, American Beauty, Touch of Evil, and Citizen Kane. Withering Heights. Let's look at that in detail. Withering Heights is a love story written as a classic tragedy. 
The moral argument follows a number of strands in which characters commit devastating acts on one another, and using the tragic strategy, the characters are all broken by a terrible sense of responsibility for what they've done. Kathy, the hero, is not just a love-born girl, passively active, acted on by a man. She is a woman who has a great love, a love that can only be found in heaven, and she freely gives it up for a man of wealth and comfort. Initially, she is in love with Heathcliff and he with her, but she won't live with him as a poor beggar. She wants dancing and singing in a pretty world. When she returns from her stay in Edgar Linton's mansion, Heathcliff, her main opponent, criticizes her by demanding to know why she stayed so long. She defends herself by replying, replying that she was having a wonderful time among human beings. She further hurts Heathcliff by ordering him to bathe so she won't be ashamed of him in front of a guest, Edgar. Kathy immediately recovers from her moral fall in the next moment when Edgar asks Kathy how she can tolerate having Heathcliff under her roof. She flares in anger, saying Heathcliff was her friend long before Edgar was, and telling him he must speak well of Heathcliff or leave. When Edgar goes, Kathy tears off her pretty clothes, runs to the crag, where Heathcliff is waiting and asks his forgiveness. Bronte's moral argument through Kathy reaches its apex when Kathy tells her servant Nellie that she will marry Edgar, while Heathcliff secretly listens in the next room. Now it is Ellie, the ally, who leads the criticism. She asks Kathy why she loves Edgar, and Kathy replies that it's because he's handsome and pleasant and will be rich someday. When Nellie asks about Heathcliff, Kathy says it would degrade her to marry him. Bronte matches this strong moral argument in the dialogue with a brilliant and highly emotional plot beat. Devastated, Heathcliff leaves, but only Nellie can see that. In the next breath, Kathy flips and says she doesn't belong with Edgar. She dreamed that she was thrown out of heaven onto the heath, and she sobbed with joy. She says she only thinks of Heathcliff but he seems to take pleasure in being cruel, yet he is more herself than she is. Their souls are the same. In a stunning self-revelation, she says, I am Heathcliff. When she discovers that Heathcliff was listening up to the point where she said it would degrade her to marry him, Kathy rushes out into the storm, screaming out her love, but it is too late. At this point, Bronte makes a radical change in tragic moral argument. She essentially reverses heroes and gives Heathcliff the lead. Heathcliff returns and attacks ruthlessly, as the love made in heaven must when it has been scorned for something so pedestrian. Heathcliff is a rebel who, like Achilles, is initially right in his revenge against injustice. Bronte uses the return of the man technique when Heathcliff comes back, Monte Cristo style, wealthy and sophisticated. The audience feels tremendous triumph in these scenes, and they don't even need to see how the character has made such a huge transformation. The man is back, finally armed as everyone has dreamed of, being armed in a similar situation. The audience feels, it could be done. I could have done it, followed by, now I will take my sweet revenge. With the audience firmly on Heathcliff's side, Bronte reverses the moral argument by having Heathcliff go too far. Even losing such a love in so unjust a manner does not allow you to marry the sister and sister-in-law of your enemies just to pay them back. To see the innocent love that Edgar's sister, Isabella, has on her face as she walks into Heathcliff's trap is a heartbreaking moment. It is what great moral argument and storytelling is all about. These moments between Kathy and Heathcliff are common, 
common man versions of kings and queens at war. This is Lear raging on the moors. What makes the concept of the love made in heaven so believable is the ferocity of the immoral attacks that these two make on one another. This is pure savagery, and they do it because of the extreme love they have for each other. At the end of the film adaptation, Heathcliff attacks Kathy one more time, and it is a justifiable attack even though she is on her deathbed. He won't comfort her. His tears curse her. She begs him not to break her heart, but he says she broke it. What right did you have to throw love away for the poor fancy thing you felt for him? Nothing in the world could have separated them. You did that, he says, by wandering off like a greedy child. Kathy begs his forgiveness, and they kiss. In the book, Heathcliff goes too far, this time way beyond the pale, when he tries to destroy the Linton line. That's why this section was cut in the classic film, a work in many ways superior to the novel as a piece of storytelling. As Bronte wrote it, from this point of attack on, the organic story between Kathy and Heathcliff is essentially over, and Heathcliff's actions, though emotionally effective, are simply overkill.